right. Good morning. How y'all doing today? Yeah? All right. So glad that you're here to worship here at Lake Point. And I'm Pastor Scott, and just glad that you're here today to worship. If this is your first time with us, um, you should have received a program as you came in. Inside the program, it's a little connection card, and uh, that looks like this. We just ask you to take a minute, just let us know about who you are and fill that out. And uh, we're not going to show up at your door in the middle of the night. I promise you that. Uh, but we're going like to send something to you in the mail. And uh, it's a thank you for coming, put you on our mailing list, and let you know what's happening here at Lake Point, Lake Point Church. And, uh, and hope you enjoy the service today. And thank you for being here. So, well, hey, today we're kicking off a brand new message series called The Grudge. <laughs> the Grudge. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. We're going to be talking about what that looks like. And uh, next week, I want to talk about how to have the faith to forgive. And uh, we'll be looking at that big betrayal when someone wrongs you or wrongs us in a very significant way that changes our lives. And so how do we have the faith to forgive someone that you know, or to forgive something that can be so painful in our lives. So we're going to talk about that next Sunday. A few weeks we'll be talking about how to, you know, get rid of that grudge, you know, that some people have against God. Maybe you thought, you know, God would have done something or, you know, someone that, you know, you were praying for and you were praying for God to come through and God didn't do what you had hoped for it to happen or he didn't do what you had prayed for. And, and because of that, people get upset at God and get mad at God and hold a grudge against God himself. And so we're going to talk about how to reconcile that, how to let go of that grudge. And uh, there'll be other things I want to talk about in this series. But as we start today, I want us to just kind of ease into this idea. And I believe that a lot of this today is going to speak to a, to a lot of us this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about forgiving the small offense that often leads to bitterness and it holds us back from the purpose that God wants us to have. It holds us back from the life that God wants us to have here in this life. In fact, I'm just curious, in this room, how many of you would say you know someone who can be so easily offended? Just raise your hand. Don't point at anybody. Might offend them. Okay, yeah, we all know somebody. If you don't know someone who's easily offended, chances are you're not on social media because it's a jungle out there. I'm telling you, crazy. We are almost everyone seems to be offended on everything. It's so easy to be offended by something small. In fact, you might find yourself being offended over these things. Maybe someone rolled an eye. They rolled their eyes at you, and you just didn't like that. You were offended. It set you off. Maybe someone has a tone in their voice, and you don't like it. It offended you, and, and you were upset about that. Maybe someone forgot to say thank you. They forgot to say thank you for something that, that you did for them, and, and, and you're offended by it. And I can get offended when I'm driving in the car. You know, I, I let someone out. You know, hey, I let somebody who's waiting to get in, 
and I let them out on the road, and I didn't get a thank you wave. <laughs> I'm offended. Come on. I mean, if it wasn't for my good grace, that person would still be sitting on the side of the road over there. You can get offended when a friend doesn't respond to a text message or their slow response. I mean, I hate it whenever I text someone. I know they read it because when, when I send it, I saw the text bubble pop up. I'm like, okay, they, I see the text bubble. They're typing something. You see it, typing something, and then the bubble goes away, but there's no text message. And I'm like, hey, man, they were bubbling me. And then you get offended by it. You're like, what's going on? Get offended. Get offended just by looking at social media, what people post, how often they post. If they comment on your friend's post, but they don't comment on yours. We get offended. We, some of you get offended when, when someone commits the unpardonable sin of, of Facebook or social media, and the unpardonable sin is when they unfriend you. I mean, you know, that's a big deal. I'm offended. We live in an age where everybody is offended quickly. Quick to be offended, quick to call foul, quick to judge, quick to become bitter. And I'm not pointing at anybody because I can be the worst sometimes. You know, a couple of weeks ago, my family and I and my parents, we go to the happiest place in the world for vacation. <laughs> called Disney World, right? I mean, everything is supposed to be happiness. You know, you're excited, the happiness is just flowing through your veins, and you step out of the parking lot, and, and, uh, and all, the, all the cast members, you know, they're happy, they're smiling, and you're like, oh, man, this is the place to be. And you walk in through the ticket gate, and there's 50,000 people. You're bound to get upset over something. And I know I did more than, more than one time. You know, you're walking, right? You're, you're, you know, hey, you're on your way to a destination and somebody or a group, they got to cut in front of you and then they stop. I said, you, you were in a hurry to cut in front of me and then you stop to look at your phone or look at a map. I mean, come on, is this how you drive? <laughs> and every time I said, oh man, the, the pastor and me escaped. Well, I just wanted to say something, and in fact, I think I did a couple of times. I said, you know, sarcastically, you know, I said, oh, excuse me, am I in your way? You know? I'm here, you know, seeking for forgiveness here, all right? You know, I got offended over dumb stuff, small things. In fact, if you're taking note, if you are on a continuous search to be offended, guess what? You always find what you're looking for. You always find what you're looking for. And I hope that you understand that there's never ever a win in living offended. I have never found, my, found myself saying, oh, I am so much better because I'm bitter. I've never said that. We've never said, oh man, I'm having a great day because I'm offended over something small. Man, we never said that your marriage, we never say, man, my marriage is stronger because I'm carrying a grudge. Or my relationship is richer because I'm carrying a grudge. I'm offended. We never say that. There's never, ever been a win 
and live in offended. I heard a great statement, and this is just, hope that you download this thought, and I hope that you live this out. And here it is. Your life is too short, and your calling is too great to be offended by something small. I mean, your calling from God to love in this world is so great to be offended, sidetracked, distracted, or hurting because of a small offense. Look at Proverbs chapter 19. In verse 11, it says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. It's to one's glory to overlook. And that's why the title of this message is called, I'm over it. I'm over it. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to tell them, hey, man, I'm over it. It doesn't matter what you did on your way to church today. It doesn't matter what you did to me on your way to church in the parking lot. Hey, man, I'm over it. I'm over it. And how is it that we as followers of Christ get over the grudge? How do we get over it? How do we grow past all those little daily uh, temptations to be so easily offended? And I want to give us one big statement. I want to unpack it, and here's the answer if you're taking notes. We close the gap with love. We close the gap with love. Let me explain that in just a minute. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrong. Love covers offenses. We close the gap with love. There's a dynamic that happens in every human interaction that you take, that you make. There's a dynamic that happens. You may not have noticed it, but it happens. There's a gap between an action and a reaction. There's a gap between someone else's action and how you respond to that person's action. There is a split second, a moment, where you make an interpretive decision based on what that person's action means. There's always an action, a gap, followed by a reaction. And here's the key. You get to choose what you put in the gap. You get to choose what you put between the action and the reaction. For example, there's an action. I'm driving down the road. A man gives this pastor, another driver, he gives me a not-so-nice sign language <laughs> through the windshield of his car. And there's a micro moment, an instant, where I get to interpret the meaning of that action, and I put something in the gap before I respond. We interpret the meaning of the action. Now, here's the problem. All of us were horrible interpreters. I am, you are, all of us. So many times we interpret or misinterpret what we think they're trying to tell us. 
been many times where someone misinterpreted the meaning behind my words. And people think, man, and I think, man, you misinterpret what, I, what you thought of me. You misinterpret what I said. How could you think I would think that? How could you think I meant that? I would have never meant something like that. We're horrible interpreters. And this is called the fundamental attribution error. If you're taking notes, the fundamental attribution error. We all slip into this. And here's what it means. It's the bias, it's the bias to attribute our own behavior to our circumstances, while at the same time attributing someone else's action to their character. And said, man, that's too early on Sunday morning to be thinking, Scott, what are we talking about here? <laughs> well, here's the deal. We always attribute our own behavior to some outside circumstances. In other words, there's a reason why I did this. You should know me. You know my heart. You know what I'm like. You know there must be a good explanation for this. And at the same time, we attribute someone's action someone else's action to their behavior, which means we might say, man, they're just not a great person. Man, that person's rude and considerate. If I did something to disappoint you, if I did something to, to let you down, there's a reason for it. I'm, I might say, man, come on, give me a break. There's more to the story that you don't understand. Give me a break. Give me some grace. You know my heart. And if, and if someone else does something to disappoint me, it's tempting for me to attribute their action to their character. If they do something against me, I'd just say, oh man, that person's just rude. He's just, he's just not a good person. She just needs Jesus to save her soul. I start making all these judgment calls on someone else's action. It's a misinterpretation. It's a misinterpretation. We do this all the time. If you have kids, you understand what I'm talking about. If you have kids, you walk into your store and you have your little two-year-old, a three-year-old, and they have a meltdown in front of everybody. And, you know, it's an embarrassing moment for the parents. And, oh, man, you know, and, 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 parents, and other parents and other people start looking at you, and you start, listen, man, my, she didn't have a nap today. Uh, there, there's more to this you, you don't understand. You know, please give me some grace. You know, she didn't have a snack, or we're just having a rough week. You know, give us some grace here. But if someone else's, child misbehave and have a meltdown in the store, well, then we just made a determination to that parent, well, he's just a lazy parent. Lazy parent raising a demon-possessed child. <laughs> we do this. And they want to say, hey, give me a break, give me a break, but we don't give them a chance. We've already wrote them off. You made some assumption about the other person, and there's always going to be a gap between someone's action and your reaction. And you get to choose what you put in the gap. You get to choose what you put in the gap. And listen, we have a spiritual enemy, Satan, the devil. You know, he's the deceiver. And one of his roles is to, is to be the accuser. We see this in Revelation chapter 12. He's accusing us before God day and night. He's always saying to us, man, you're no good. You're not worthy of God. I mean, that's that's what he does. And so how do we fill the gaps? Well, here's how the devil rolls. The devil wants you to fill the gaps with accusation, with accusations. He wants you to fill the gap 
with accusation. He wants you to think, man, she's always about herself. She doesn't care about you. He doesn't care. You can't trust him. You can't trust her. Everybody's in it for themselves. I mean, that's what the devil does, and you start to interpret the gap with accusation. And accusation, man, it, it breaks down marriages. I mean, accusation destroys friendship, destroys churches, and the devil wants to fill the gap with accusation, but God, if you're taking notes, wants to fill the gap. He wants you and I to fill the gap with love. With love. Proverbs 17, verse 9, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. It covers over in an offense. And so what does love do? Well, love, it gives the benefits of the doubt. Love chooses to believe the best to trust the other person. It believes the best in the other person. If, if, in other words, if Karen, my wife, asked me to take out the garbage, the devil would want me to say, man, what's he saying? She saying I'm lazy? What's he talking about? Why don't she do it? What, what's wrong with her? Why is she always nagging at me? That's what the devil wants to do. But love, but love doesn't do that. Love says, no, she's probably just wondering or curious if I took out the trash. You choose what you put in the gap. Someone doesn't respond to your text message. What the devil can say, oh man, he's not a good friend. I mean, a good friend, they have, they take the time to text you back right away. She, you know, another this person. She's too good for you. She's just too good. She's just too busy for you. But love doesn't say that. Love says, no, her phone might have died. Or maybe her phone's down the charger. Or maybe, you know, you text that person while they were driving and, and, and they can't respond until they're done driving. That's a good rule of thumb, by the way, for all of us. <laughs> or maybe they saw and they meant to get back and they forgot. But, you know, that's what love, love assumes the best. Love assumes the best. Paul said this in Ephesians. He says in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Make allowances. Give the benefit of the doubt because of your love. Because God loves you. Because Jesus forgave you. Because the grace for you, there should be grace for others. Love. Make allowances because of your love. In other words, someone else's behavior is not all about you. They're bad driving. <laughs> Believe it or not, not all about you. They're bad mood. It's not all about you. The edge, the tone in their voice, their voice, it's not all about you. They may just be having a bad day. They may be facing a battle of their own. They might have gotten some really bad news. So you want to give others the benefit of the doubt. You do the same for them. You want people to do it for you, you do it for others. Why? Because of your love. Your love. But what if someone, what if someone's just rude to you? You know what I'm talking about? You know, just, they intentionally are harsh, mean. They went after you. What, what do you do then? And here's what I try to do, and it's not easy. It's not easy. But what I try to do is I try to understand that they are probably very likely going through something that's causing that kind of behavior. Rick Warren said this. He said, hurt people 
hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And so, you know, sometimes I have to understand. I have to look into that and have compassion. Have compassion on those that might hurt me. I say, you know what? I can respond with anger. I can respond with love. I can choose what I put in the gap. But I'm not going to respond that way. I'm going to have compassion. Listen to that. If you want to make a difference in this world, and the more that you make a difference in this world, you're going to have more people that don't like you. Unfortunately, we live in this broken world. The more you make a difference for God in this world, the more the people are not going to like you. And, and you've got to learn to stay above those offenses. You have to stay above it. You're going to have to. So whenever someone's being harsh to me, I try to tell me, I wonder what they're going through because I know hurt people tend to hurt people. And so I try to find compassion. Instead of being offended by what they did or how they acted, I want to try to find compassion for them and make allowances because of the love that's in my heart. Making allowances because of the love that's in my heart. There's always going to be a gap, and you get to choose what you put in the gap. I love the power of Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. We've read, we've read it already. I want to go back to this. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. You're a wise person when you have patience, when you learn patience. Patience with a difficult person. Patience with a difficult child. Wisdom yields patience. And here's the key. It is to one glory to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. It is to your glory to do this. It is God honoring to overlook an offense. Now, what does it mean to overlook? How do we overlook? It does not mean to pretend that it didn't happen. That's not what that means. But to overlook an offense, if you're taking note, is a conscious decision to let it go. To let it go. Now, this is not the cue or the frozen sound, okay? <laughs> Someone was thinking that, I know. You're like, oh, I know that sound. You just started automatically playing that dumb sound in your head. I'm sorry if I offended you by saying it's a dumb sound. <laughs> sorry, Abigail. Abigail's not in the room. Thank you. My little seven-year-old loved that little sound. <laughs> anyway, it's a form. Here's what it means. It's a conscious decision. To overlook an offense, it's a conscious decision to let it go. It's a form of forgiveness. It's a form of forgiveness in real time, in the moment, forgiveness. In other words, I don't get a grudge and carry it for three weeks and then get over it. To get over it right now, it's an in the moment, real time decision to stay above the offense, to forgive it in the moment, let it go, because I'm over it. Let it go. The Hebrew word for the word overlook in that verse, it's the word avoid, and it means to pass over, to pass over. It means to pass over the offense. Instead of focusing on the offense, we playing the offense, rehearsing the offense, going it over and over in your mind, thinking, man, what could I have said? 
You know, that would have made it even better. What comeback? Oh, man, next time that person has an argument, man, I've got the best comeback. I'm going to put that person down. I'm going to make that person feel so small. Instead, what we do is we get above it. We get over it. We rise above the offense because we have a more important calling. My calling, it elevates me. My, my purpose, it lifts me. And the devil, he wants to lower you and me into the offenses that would drag us down because my God has a higher calling and I'm already over it. In the moment, I'm over it. We have real-time forgiveness. You're choosing. You're choosing to fill the gap with love. You're choosing to let it go. Not going to hold you back. Not going to let it distract you from your purpose. In that moment, you're deciding that it's for my glory. It honors God to get above it. I'm staying above it. Hey, your coworker, they don't invite you to the party. That's okay. You're over it. Someone makes a snarky comment on your Facebook wall. Fine. I'm over it. Get over it. Your mother-in-law, you know, they criticize your children. Well, that's a whole nother sermon right there, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you should get over it. You get over it. Get over it. It may take me more than three seconds in that gap, but I promise I'm not going to let it drag me down. I'm over it. Wisdom. It yields the patient. I'm over it. I've got a more important calling. My calling is to love. That's my calling. My calling is to represent Jesus. I'm not going to let the enemy slow me down. I believe this is one of the most divisive, most destructive tools of our evil one. And that in our culture today, it's allowing us to be offended by everything. I mean, you can come here today. If you came here today looking for something to be offended, you found it. You probably found it. If you went to work looking for a reason to be offended, you're going to find it. If you're constantly looking to be offended, you will find it. You will find what you're looking for. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to get in that mindset. So, man, be offended today. Be offended today. Be bitter. Be angry. Hold a grudge. I love this statement. It should be on your handout notes. It's not. It should be. Nobody's ever changed the world by walking around bitter. I mean, we could do better than that, church. Uh, I mean, in the first service, I said it you know, the first time. I got a little baby. Yep, you know. Uh, made a nice little noise, and that was it. And I said, man, that baby got it. <laughs> so I have to say it again. I'm going to say it again for you guys. Nobody ever changed the world by walking around bitter. All right, that's good preaching there, Scott. Good preaching. Let's preach it. <laughs> Nobody ever changed the world by walking around bitter, carrying a grudge. When I was at a Bible college in Florida, um, I applied to be an intern at a church that was in the area. And I had this opportunity to work, and it actually became the church that I eventually became uh, full-time in ministry. But in the early days, you know, they, I was an intern, and it didn't pay much. And so I had to be a part-time intern at the church, and so I had to find a part-time job. And I found a job working at a, um, at a mom-and-pop sporting goods store just down the road. 
And this little sporting goods store, they did all the local teams, T-shirts and uniforms. And, uh, you know, you put, put numbers and put their names on the back of the shirt. And, uh, and that's what we did. You know, we had, also we had a little floor and, you know, had all the equipment, you know. And it was just a nice little store. And I worked there for a couple of years, um, just working just to supplement my time for ministry. And the very first day, I met one of the co-workers, and she was a, a, a lady about my age. And she had been there forever. She'd been there since the beginning of the store. And, and, uh, and right away, I knew she didn't like me. I mean, she was mean, mean, ugly mean to me. I mean, she would say stuff behind my back, and then when she realized how deaf I was, she would just say stuff in front of me. <laughs> she had nothing to hold her back. And, and here's the thing. I may be deaf, but I can read lips. I know what she's saying. I mean, and her action was just mean. And there were so many times every day I hated to go to work because I get to work with her. You know, when she was there, I was like, oh, you know, it could be a rough day. And, and almost every day that I worked with her, I wanted to respond. I wanted to fill the gap with something ugly, back, something mean. But she knew that I was a believer in Christ. She knew that I was training to be in the ministry. So I thought, man, I've got to, you know, I've got to, you know, no, I got to represent Jesus. That's my calling. I have a higher calling than to be offended by the small offenses. And, and so every day I just go in, I just bite my tongue, and she was just mean. It never got better. I tried to show kindness to her. I tried to fill the gap with kindness, and, and I, I think it made her more mad. <laughs> and finally the day came when the church decided that I was working at interning, hey, we're going to hire you full time. I'm like, yes. So I gave my two weeks notice, and, uh, and I was friends with all the other coworkers. And I was just that one person that just, for whatever reason, just hated me. And, you know, I tried to be nice and tried to say bye to her. She didn't barely look at me and she didn't care. You know, I said, like, whatever. You know, I, I tried my best. I tried to leave a, a, a good testimony of what a Christ follower is. That's all I could do. And, and I go to the, the church that drove out with a single pastor. And then I was, a couple years later, I was teaching my single Bible study on a Sunday morning. We had a Bible study before the church service. And I had about 30, maybe 40 singles in the room. And, uh, and I'm teaching, and I'm ready to teach. I get up there to teach the lesson. And I look out, and, and I see that coworker <laughs> sitting in my class. And my first thought was, who invited her? <laughs> That's the flesh in me, okay? But she had no idea I was the teacher. And so I got up there, and her eyes, when she saw me, her eyes got really big. <laughs> she said, oh, no. I just did my class. I mean, I, I'm telling you, that was the toughest, toughest lesson I ever did because I kept, you know, every time I see her, it's, oh, no, you know. <laughs> After the class, like I said, it's been two years since I've seen her. After the class, she came up to me. And she was a total different person. Kind. You know, you could see it in her face. She had a smile. For the first time, I saw a smile. 
different. I said, hey, how's it going? He said, I'm going great. We kind of catch up a little bit. She said, you know, the past few months, I met Jesus. I gave my heart to Christ. And I just came to church here. I just came to check it out. And I had no idea that this was the church you were serving at. I had no idea that I'd be walking in your class. And he apologized. He said, you know what? I treated you like garbage for two years. And you should have come back with me with garbage, but you never did. I could tell sometimes you were frustrated, but you, were never, you, you, you stayed through it. And, uh, and it made me mad that you wouldn't get back at me, get mad at me. But I never did, and you never did it. You left an impression on my heart. And I was like, wow. And I often think about what would have happened if I had filled the gap, not with love, but I had filled the gap with accusation, filled the gap with hatred, filled the gap with the wrong thing. And see, this is our mission. We're called to stay above it. We're called to stay above it. And here's our calling. If you're taking note, the calling ahead of me is greater than the offense that is behind me. You have a calling from God. He has empowered you. He has equipped you. And your life is way too short. And your calling is way too important to be offended by something small. Get over it. Get over it. Instead of choosing to be offended, have compassion. Have compassion. Be forgiven in that moment. Real-time forgiveness. Get over it. That's our mission. Our mission is to stay above it. To stay above it. And I believe that God may be speaking to us in this moment. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe God's speaking to us. He said, man, don't, don't get in those social media battles. Come on, get over it. Don't be offended by what politics they like. They be all hateful over it. Don't defend your theology and anger and hatred. Man, where's the fruit of the spirit in there? Come on, come on. Get over it. I love what Annie Stanley says. He said, what does love requires of me? In those moments, in every moment, man, what a, what a question to ask. What does love requires of me? And I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I've done so many things to offend the heart of God. And the grace that he showed me is the same grace I want to show others. Yes, I'll stand up for truth. I'm going to stand up for truth and love. I'm going to stand up for, for love. And I'm going to, with the help and power of God, I'm not going to be offended by something small. Why? Because the calling ahead of me is greater than the offense that's behind me. My life is way, way, way too short. My calling is way too important, way too great to be offended by something small. Next time the devil tries to pull you down, you say, nope. No devil. By the power of Jesus, I'm over it. You try to keep him down, but he's got resurrection power. His power lifts me. His grace sustains me. His purpose drives me. Real time, 
in the moment, choosing to forgive, looking the best in people, seeing the best in people, and for the glory of God, we've got more important things to do because our calling is much too great to be offended by those small little things that want to drag you down.